Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. It takes a lot of hard work and guts to make it in Detroit, and no one knows that better than Carhartt. Since 1889, Carhartt's been making the toughest, most trusted gear for anyone who outworks them. Because from field to farm and all sites in between, Carhartt's got your back for whatever lies ahead. Hey, this is Kerry Carpenter, and you're listening to the Road to Detroit podcast. Here's your host, Dan Hasty. You knew it. You knew this. You knew it. We knew it. He knew it. There's a reason Riley Green was on the first episode of this season. Snuck that one in under the wire, didn't we? (laughs) We had the feeling. We asked Riley Green last week, are you ready? And he said, yes, absolutely. And guess what? Funny little side note, he was. We have been aching to watch someone hit the ground running. A prospect a player come up to the big leagues with all the accolades and deliver immediately. It's the hardest thing to do in this game. Through the two games in Detroit against the Texas Rangers, Riley Green delivered. And Riley Green is a big leaguer. Welcome to the Road to Detroit podcast. I'm Dan Hasty. Our producer is Nate Wangler. Riley Green is a big leaguer, which doesn't feel real to say when we started this podcast back in 2019 he was the Tigers first round pick he was number five overall this show covered the entire timeline of Riley Green and his ascension through this system we have not had a single player on this podcast more than Riley and if you've seen Riley Green play in the minor leagues nothing that happened over the weekend was that big of a surprise. He's still 21 years old. (laughs) He's still 21 years old. Talk about a team that just so desperately needed a bolt of lightning in that lineup. And it's so much to put on one player. And I don't think it's fair to continue to have those expectations because inevitably, with every player, it doesn't matter If you're Mike Trout, it doesn't matter. If you're Juan Soto, players will adjust to their competition. And Riley Green will go through some type of a struggle at the major league level. May not be a prolonged struggle, but it would probably be a struggle because this is a game of failure. 
But I do believe that one player can change everything about the current dynamic. And if there's one player who's capable of that, I think that can be Riley Green. And I was talking about this with somebody else. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that a couple of weeks from now, we're going to be watching a Tigers game on television, and they're going to start putting stats on the screen to tell us what the Tigers were doing before Riley Green and after Riley Green arrived. And I think they're going to be refreshing. I think they're going to be enjoyable. And nothing was better than to see Riley and what he did in his first major league at bat. Swing a little pop fly into left center, and that ball is going to drop in for a base hit. <laughs> Riley Green loops one in, first at bat. He's one for one, batting a 1,000. The very first at bat. I love that they couldn't even get the cameras on the Green family fast enough. <laughs> they, they had to run over and grab all the reactions. Mom, Dad, look over here. <laughs> but how great of a moment is that to see it happen so early and for a team and for a town that is so starved for something special. I cannot wait to see what the rest of this season holds for Riley Green. And all we can do is hope now that it has that same effect that it had over the weekend over the rest of this offense. That's another graduate, by the way. We sent another one up, didn't we? You know, in season one, if you go back to 2019, season one of the road to Detroit, we had 12 prospects that season on season one. 12. We had Tigers front office members. We had broadcasters. We had writers and people of specialized nuance. But in terms of the players, we've had 12 Tigers prospects on the RTD in season one. You know how many of those players have gone up to the major leagues? Eight. Two-thirds. 66.66666666 repeating on your calculator. Meanwhile, I looked it up, and it turns out that only 10% of minor leaguers ever make the major leagues. So I'm just saying, if you end up on this show... Nate Wangler will see to it that you are a big leaguer. It's all me. Coming up a little later in this edition of the RTD, did you know that the home run leader in all of minor league baseball will be joining us today? Did you even know that the leading home run hitter in minor league baseball resided within the Detroit Tigers minor league system? He has not been in the minor league system for very long, but he has left an impression and a few small tweaks over the course of the offseason have gone an incredibly long way. Glove in front of his face as he goes into the line and deals the 2-2. Carpenter rips another deep to right. That ball's not coming back, and it's crushed and gone. Touch of all time. Carey Carpenter, that is number 10 for Carey. He is locked in at the plate right now, and the Seawolves take a 1-0 lead here in the first inning. Drill deep right, and that ball is crushed and gone. Touch of all time, Kerry Carpenter, a two-home run game. Nate actually asked him to build him a picnic table. He's taking care of that right now. (laughs) Kerry Carpenter, the Carpenter, will join us coming up in just a few minutes. We talked a whole lot about Riley Green, but there was somebody else over the weekend who went out and dominated as well. That's Bo Brisky. The leadoff man here in the fifth. 
Swung on and missed. He struck him out. His fifth strikeout of the day. On the corner to get him looking. Well, he's executing now, Shep. This is fun to watch. You know, I was expecting Bo Brisky to surprise some people, and now he's surprising us. You know, if you look at the numbers, Bo Brisky has thrown nearly 20 innings in the month of June at the major league level. Any guesses as to what his ERA might be? How about sub one? 0.96. And you know what else? The strikeout numbers are starting to come up a little bit. He wasn't striking out a whole lot in his first handful of games at the big league level, but he was just competing. And he was keeping his head above water. And because he was able to do that, now he's able to work out the finer points. He's able to tweak to make the adjustments, to refine that delivery, and now the strikeouts are coming. He's had 15 strikeouts in 18 and two-thirds innings in the month of June. Also struck out seven New York Yankees. You know, every time you strike out a New York Yankee, an angel gets its wings. But it feels like Bo Brisky's leaving prospect status, isn't he? I think we're, I think we're full-on graduating if we're Bo Brisky. Congratulations as he continues to get better and better this season. Bo Brisky's worked incredibly hard, and he got very low-key fast-tracked through the Tigers minor league system. And look at him now. You can't imagine a rotation that doesn't have Bo Brisky in it. This is a pitching staff that has really not taken a huge step back despite the various amounts of injuries to its major league pitching staff. I think credit goes to two sides in a situation like this. Number one, and the most important side, is the work ethic of these guys. You don't have Casey Mize. You don't have Matt Manning. You don't have Spencer Turnbull. You don't have Kyle Funkhauser. You don't have Jose Cisnero. You're so depleted. But these guys have worked hard. Will Vest, Alex Lang, Joe Jimenez, Fiedo, and Brisky. I think this is why the struggles for the offense at the major league level have been so magnified because the Tigers have actually been in a good chunk of these games. They've been low-scoring games, and it's a little more painful when you think you're close. And the bullpen has kept the Tigers within striking distance more often than not this season. So I think it's the work ethic of a lot of these guys. I also think it's Chris Fetter and the major league staff. I think they've done a tremendous job on the pitching side. But cheers to you, Bo Brisky. To Bill Brisky! Brisky! <laughs> That's right. Drink it in, New York Yankees. <laughs> It'll be really interesting to see what the Tigers' top 30 prospects look like when they make those midseason updates. We're probably a couple of weeks, maybe a month or so away from that. I think Colt Keith, despite being injured, it sounds like he had a shoulder injury that's going to keep him out for a while, according to Ryan Garko, the Tigers' vice president of player development. I think he'll move up some spots. I think Wilmer Flores will move up some spots. I think Kerry Carpenter will probably be on that list. By the way, you know Kerry Carpenter was named Eastern League Player of the Month of May. He actually came off of a Player of the Week award, and then he's like, you know what, I want the month as well, so I'm going to take that. Led the league in hits, runs, RBIs, home runs, average total bases, on-base percentage, <sighs> slugging percentage, and OPS. Basically video game numbers for Kerry Carpenter. And according to Kerry, it's all come down to the most minor changes. He'll explain coming up in just a little bit. By the way, side note, Kerry Carpenter was selling workout equipment 
at this time two years ago. He was doing side jobs during the canceled minor league baseball season. I'm going to let him explain, but I think you need to know that. All right, all right, let's hit the on-ramp. Let's check out the backfields of Lakeland, Florida. The FCL Tigers, they're currently 1-9. and nine. They lost a pair of games to the Yankees before splitting two with the Blue Jays. But they've had a couple of players play well. Iverson Leonardo's an outfielder. He was acquired at just 18 as an undrafted free agent back in 2017. Six for 17, so hit about 350 over the past week with three home runs. Had eight runs batted in and scored five times. Also, Franklin Perez, part of that Justin Verlander trade, is down in the FCL backfields. He is in a rehab assignment, and it's been a bumpy one for him so far. He's given up four runs in his last start, just two and a third innings. They continue to try to work with him as a starting pitcher. Lakeland, the Flying Tigers, the Baby Tigers, they split a six-game series with the Daytona Tortugas. They're actually sitting right around the 500 mark, 31 and 32, and they're doing just fine. There's something good going on down in there. Andrew Graham has done a marvelous job with that team down in low A. Jackson Job, the third overall pick in last year's draft, he had a bit of a bumpy appearance this past week. Gave up four runs in four innings, walked three, struck out five. Isaac Pacheco, second rounder last year, Tigers' number 11 prospect. He's riding a three-game multi-hit hitting streak. So two hits or more, two doubles, a pair of RBIs, and he's hit 317 this month. I think that's important. Isaac Pacheco is still very young, just 19 years old. That's a bigger deal when you're doing this at 19. So congratulations to Isaac, which, by the way, is spelled Isaac with a Z and not with an S. Let's check out Garrett Burnham. He was a ninth rounder last year out of Ohio State. Nate, Nate, stop it. Stop it, Nate. <laughs> Uncle plays quarterback from Michigan, thinks he can do whatever he wants. That's right. Garrett Burhan from the Ohio State University. Tossed six shutout innings back on June 14th. Racked up six strikeouts. Walked only one batter. He's done a nice job this year. 3-1, a 296 ERA, 64 strikeouts in 48 and two-thirds innings. Off to West Michigan. The Whitecaps ended up winning a series on the road. Four out of six against the St. Louis Cardinals high-A affiliate in Peoria. And also, a lot of these games were just a flat-out mess. 92 runs between the six games of this series for both teams. 128 base hits. But it was super hot outside. A lot of these games were being played with a real field temperature over 100 degrees. So, truthfully, not all that fair to get on pitchers in a situation like this. There was one game that had a real feel of almost 110 degrees. There were also 61 walks issued in that six-game series. Daniel Cabrera, he's been really good since coming back to West Michigan. And, you know, sometimes you need the physical reset. Sometimes you need the mental reset. Sometimes you need both. And Daniel Cabrera has turned himself into being an important part of West Michigan's offense after being sent down from AA after beginning the season with the Seawolves. And he continues to be a staple at the top of the West Michigan order. He's hit 354, a 400 on base percentage, much more in line with the numbers he was putting up during his college days playing at LSU. Ended up with six hits, a couple of doubles, scored three times in that series win, taking four out of six from Peoria. Meanwhile, Brant Herter is a new West Michigan Whitecap. Tigers number 30 prospect, seventh rounder last year out of Georgia Tech. 3-3 three and three with a 298 ERA and 57 strikeouts. 
Meanwhile, Jake Holton, who played a little bit up in AA earlier this year, went back to West Michigan, and they're really happy he's there. He had a 7-RBI performance back on Tuesday night. He became the first West Michigan player to have 7 or more RBIs in a game in more than a decade. He essentially single-handed beat Peoria by the score of 8-7 to on Tuesday. Congratulations, Jake Holton, your Midwest League Player of the Week. The only other RBI in that game, by the way, was Wenzel Perez. He ended up being promoted to Erie the next day. So Wenzel Perez, who we'd seen in West Michigan for four seasons, is now in double-A. Eliezer Alfonso, he has had a really tough year. He was a Tigers top 30 prospect at a couple different points. He had an unbelievable walk-to-strikeout ratio, but he just wasn't hitting the ball with a whole lot of authority. Then last year, he went down from West Michigan to Lakeland, started hitting a bunch of home runs, came back, and hit the baseball much harder with West Michigan. He's doing it again this year. Only difference is the ball's flying over the fence. Five for eight, had a two-run homer, three-run score, drove in four in two games after coming off the injured list. It's good to see him back. Hopefully he can stay healthy the rest of the season. There's one more West Michigan player we need to mention. back. He was great in Peoria, and we have been dying to hear the sound of the Packard plan here on this road to Detroit. He was 11 for 24 in the series. Two doubles, a home run, and six runs batted in, including some phenomenal defensive plays in the outfield. He's a different player this year. He had some tough injuries to deal with last year, came back, rededicated himself, got in better shape physically, took care of some of those physical ailments, and now the numbers are finally catching up with all that hard work Brian Packard's put in. Let's go to Erie. The Seawolves have won four out of six against Altoona and Kerry Carpenter. Eight for 26, three doubles, two homers, five runs batted in. He is minor league baseball's home run leader. Meanwhile, Reese Olsen, we talked a little bit about Reese Olsen when we talked to Kerry Carpenter, and he loves Reese Olsen's stuff. He thinks he is nasty. He struck out nine batters through five scoreless frames, just two hits in his start on Saturday. So far this year, numbers are really good, especially the strikeout rate. He has 90 strikeouts through 58 and a third innings, four and three, a 324 earned run average. But he's not the only pitcher doing well down in double-A. Austin Bergner is somebody that we really have to pay more attention to. We saw him in West Michigan a little bit last year. He looked really good. He has built on that this season. He was a ninth rounder out of North Carolina, tossed six innings on Thursday, allowed just one run, struck out seven, second straight start with seven strikeouts. So far in June, he's 3-0 with a 1.59 ERA. You know, Kerry Carpenter was the Eastern League Player of the Month for the month of May. There's going to be a chance that Austin Bergner could work his way into that same league's Pitcher of the Month here in June if his last start goes well. Meanwhile, Wenzel Perez off to a solid start. Five for his first 15 in double-A. Three runs scored against Altoona. So far this year, he's hitting 299 homers, 39 runs batted in, 13 stolen bases. Still working on things defensively, but the bat has been a nice surprise. Let's go to Toledo. Toledo won four out of six on the road against Worcester. The Red Sox AAA affiliate Jamer Candelario was down in Toledo. A pair of doubles, a home run, three runs batted in. 
Meanwhile, on the mound, Luis Castillo, 27-year-old signee out of the minor league free agent pool. He's been really good for Toledo this year. 24 and a third innings, an ERA of just 1.48, nearly a strikeout per inning coming out of that Mud Hens bullpen. That's a look at the on-ramp. Now let's look at best in class. Yeah. It's best in class. Of all the players in the Tigers minor league system this week, this one made the most noise. Reese Olsen. One, two. Fastball. Strike three called. That is now a career high with 11 punch outs. It's hard to find anyone in the Tigers minor league system who has strikeout numbers this filthy. 58 and a third innings, 90 strikeouts for Reese Olsen. And on top of all that, 15 walks in 58 innings. Usually when you have high strikeout rates, you see pitchers that tend to walk a lot of guys. So those numbers kind of tend to cancel themselves out. Not so much the case here with Reese Olsen. He's also given up less than a hit per inning. So he's not allowing a lot of base hits. He's not walking many batters. He's keeping the ball in the ballpark. Opponents are hitting just 215 against him, which is actually the exact same batting average against he had last season. Keep in mind, Reese Olsen was picked up by the Tigers in the Daniel Norris trade. When they traded him to Milwaukee last year, this was the return. And Reese Olsen, we were talking about players who could see their number improve as it pertains to prospect rankings. I think Reese Olsen easily could move up a couple of spots. When you have strikeout numbers like this, you're going to be noticed. And you're going to have your prospect profile increase. And if nothing else, that makes him a more valuable organizational asset. I think there's value there. But he has gotten better every season since being drafted out of North Hall High School in Gainesville, Georgia. 2018 pick in the 13th round. Brewers convinced him to sign, and now he's putting it all together. Congratulations, Reese Olson. He's this week's best in class. And now a familiar face comes to us with the Dylan Rosa Award. I'm not just talking about Nate Wangler, but it's another familiar face. Nate, who's accepting this Rosa? Bryant Packard. The only question mark ever when it comes to Bryant Packard's game was his ability to stay healthy. He looks healthy now. He's come back strong from his most recent injury, and he looked, again, outstanding in the series in Peoria. We mentioned the numbers, 11 for 24, two doubles, a home run, six RBIs, and a highlight reel catch, one of the best sliding catches we've seen in the outfield so far this year. Not to mention, he's first place on that team in West Michigan right now in terms of stolen bases. So he provides you a little bit of value everywhere, not just in the outfield. And we know he can play a solid outfield, but when he's healthy, the bat is there and he produces in Brian Pena's lineup. There's never any question. Again, the only question is, can he stay healthy? And lately, he has looked very healthy. And you know who's become the apple of his eye? Lynn Henning of the Detroit News, who we yeah. actually had on this podcast before, he actually reached out and said, hey, what's going on with Brian Packard this week? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's high compliments to yes. Brian Packard. you know. And, and the thing is, is that last year he was worried about some issues with his back, but this year he's like a whole different player. 
Tigers obviously noticed that there was something they could do to really bring out the best in him, but he's also had to put the time in. He's had to go work for that as well. Slimmed down about 20, 25 pounds, taken some stress off of his back, and all of a sudden he's turned into some kind of base-stealing threat. I didn't (laughs) see this coming in the range of Bryant-Packard outcomes. He had seven total stolen bases coming into this season. As a career minor leaguer, now he's running like Derek Hill. He's got 16 stolen bases through 34 games. So he's clearly found a new way to be an asset. And I think that's so hard to do, to pick up a skill like that. I didn't see speed as part of the Bryant Packard skill set, but that's clearly something he's taking advantage of, and he's making it a point to add that to his game. The number one thing you can do in order to find your way up the ladder is figure out how you impact the game as a baseball player. And the fact that he was able to cut down that weight and now he's faster and he adds that to his repertoire, he can impact the game in many different ways outside of just his power. You know, he was only hitting 234 in the month of April, but he got off to this 2-for-24 start. I would guess that when you have a drastic internal change where you change yourself physically, you have to learn new muscle memory. You have to go through some kind of an acclimation process to get everything back in order. And I think Brian Packard's slow start to the year may have been exactly that. Now we're seeing him in the month of June where he's hit 342 with a 375 on base. And he was starting to find that back in May. Then he got hit on the elbow by a pitch, which, by the way, he wears an elbow pad. So, Brian, find a new elbow pad. (laughs) But on top of that, then he ended up playing, I think, about a week And then he landed on the COVID injured list. So it was just one thing followed by another. It was kind of bad luck. And now he finds himself fully healthy, fully 100%. And now the numbers are starting to reflect that. Player development, not always linear. Brian Packard, this week's recipient of the Rosa. That's a look at best in class. And now, without further ado, it is... Carrie Carpenter. Welcome to the Road to Detroit podcast. The man who has taken his hammer and his nails and has built himself, not just into a solid professional baseball player, but made himself into a big league prospect piece by piece. It's the Carpenter. Harry Carpenter, say hello to all the people out there in RTD podcast world. How's it going, everybody? Nice to nice to be on this podcast. It's amazing. I'm thankful. So right off the top, we love, love, love having players on the show like you. And when I say guys like you, I mean grinders, guys who have had to put every ounce of their time, effort, and energy into their passion you were not picked early in the mlb draft but here you are we've had guys like Tarek scoobal and bo brisky and now it's your turn so let me ask you how do you process the season you've had to this point i mean it's it's amazing it's it's been a different experience i've i've never had this kind of success at the professional level really so um, I, I've had it in high school and junior college, and that's I, I feel like everybody has had it. Um, but once you get to pro ball, it's it's a real challenge. So 
um, having this type of success um, comes with different kinds of challenges and different kinds of pressure and expectations and stuff. So it's been like a learning experience, but um, I've just been really thankful to go through it. It's a way better learning experience than, than struggling or anything else. So I'm, I'm just been amazed and thankful. I want to put a pin in what's happened with Erie for a moment in a way, because I kind of want to go back to the beginning of your story. But for all those people who don't know your backstory, let's catch them up. You played your college ball at Virginia Tech, but not all of your college baseball. You played a couple of years at junior college. Tell us about where you played and why that experience was so beneficial. I didn't have like a love for baseball until maybe my sophomore, maybe junior year of high school. So, and I was a late, late bloomer anyways. So I wasn't that great in high school until about my senior year. And by that time in Florida, where I grew up, everybody was already done recruiting. It was kind of just like slim pickings for people. And, and I was doing well my senior year, uncommitted and, and a a friend's dad of my, um, just kind of reached out to a junior college um, called TCC and then in, the, in Tallahassee. And then someone um, also reached out to St. John's River for me. And I worked out at both. I ended up picking St. John's River and because I really wasn't ready for high level division one baseball at the time. I grew a lot and I ended up getting probably close to 500 at bats my freshman and sophomore year that were pretty badly needed. And and it, it helped me turn into the player I am right now. How does your love for the game evolve in a situation like that? Honestly, my mom and sister um, really kind of pushed me on that. My dad was always always there too, but um, I they were kind of just like, hey, you you really like this game, but you could be really good if you if you loved it and if you put the work in, like you could play in college, you could achieve crazy dreams. And so they kind of pushed me towards that. And I started working hard and I was like, wow, this stuff, this is amazing. Like I've gotten really, really good. Like I I just want to like maximize my full potential now. And so at that point, the love of it started and, and here I am. I like that part of your story because I think it strikes a chord with other baseball players. You know, so many guys go the JUCO route, but there's another reason and something else you did later that makes you relatable to every single person in listening to this show. We'll get to that in a minute. We'll get to that in a minute. But tell me about your time in Blacksburg, playing with Virginia Tech and the doors that that helped open for you. That was that was an amazing experience. And at, at my JUCO, I wanted to play at a school afterwards. I wanted to play in the ACC or the SEC because those are the best conferences um, in the country. So when I got the opportunity, I took some visits, went to Virginia Tech, really liked it, um, committed the next day after my visit. And then so I went up there and honestly, I had an underwhelming year compared to my expectations going in. Um, I kind of got exposed mentally, like I wasn't mentally strong enough to deal with the cold and deal with a little bit of failure at the time. And, um, and looking back, I needed, I needed to get exposed. I needed to be mentally, um, stronger. And I didn't know I needed that until I went to Virginia tech. I ended up playing well enough to get drafted and also 
I learned about myself that this is a mental game more than anything because I wasn't playing up to my potential at Virginia Tech and it was mental. It wasn't physical. You know, we've talked to pitchers specifically, and I think it's when guys come out of high school more than anything else. And we're kind of watching them grow, develop and take their lumps and get exposed. And I remember one time asking a pitcher, I won't say his name, but mm -hmm. I will, I can tell you this. And I think you can relate to this. I said, Hey, tell me what it's like when you're in the middle of a, a rough inning, trying to find your way out. Cause you're, you're getting exposed. And this pitcher said to me in high school, I never once had to pitch from the set. I only pitched from the windup because there mm -hmm. were never runners on base. I, I always dominated everyone I went against, so I never had to deal with it. Mm -hmm. So dealing with getting exposed, dealing with failure and trying to cover yourself and learn and grow and evolve, I mean, you've been one of the best, if not the best player on all your teams leading into professional baseball. So mm -hmm. how do you adapt? Honestly, it's uh, it's something you have to go through. I had to go through it. It's something that I didn't know how to deal with prior to actually failing. So going through the experience, being down, being like actually failing for kind of an extended period of time, not playing up to expectations I had for myself. That was something I had to fight through and be like, OK, what do I do now? And I, it, living through it is the only way that I've been able to to learn from it. We're talking with Kerry Carpenter. So take me back to draft day. How confident were you that it would be the Tigers to pick you? And what other teams did you think you could end up with? It was, I was confident that the Tigers would, would, would take me. Um, the scout that, that was in my area was Matt Zamuda. And um, he, he was always in touch with me. Um, he invited me to the pre-draft workout. Um, but I also went to the pre-draft workout with the Yankees. And I think it were teams, it was teams like maybe the Rockies that got in touch with me and a few others on draft day, but um, it was pretty much Tigers Yankees when it came down to it. And I know I can speak for all Tigers fans that it feels good to have won one and pulled one over on the Yankees. I digress. 100%. 100%. You know, so, okay, so you get drafted, you go to the Gulf Coast League, you go to Connecticut, you continue to hit, you continue to hit. And then you take that into Erie, and all I can think of is, yeah, you could always hit, but hitting in the ACC is different than hitting, say, in double-A of professional baseball. How mm. have the Tigers helped to further develop that skill set of yours? They've given me so many opportunities to develop. Um, being a late-round pick, I played well enough in the GCL to get invited to Instructs that year. And then I got invited to minicamp um, and then Instructs again in 2020. So they've given me so many opportunities to to play against better competition, to um, be around the staff, the coordinators, the coaches all throughout the minor leagues, the big league staff. Um, so they've given me so many um, opportunities playing, playing with people like Riley and Torkelson and all these guys like I learned from watching their at-bats. I got to hit behind Torque last year, like being on deck for his at-bats. It was, it was a learning experience. So the Tigers have really given me so many um, chances and opportunities, and, and taking advantage of those is how, how I've made it this far. I can tell you this. Most people listening to this podcast are pretty enlightened 
And if I say something like, you remind us of Ryan Kreidler, some people will know what we're talking about, who we've had on the show, by the way, in the sense of like him, you leapfrogged a couple levels of the minor leagues. You actually Mm -hmm. never played in either low A or high class A. You went from Mm -hmm. short season rookie ball at the end of 2019 through the pandemic, which I want to get back to in a minute, and then Mm -hmm. right to double A the next year. How in the world does anyone make that jump? I mean, that I give that credit to, to God because he's, a, I mean, I've been asked that question so many times and it, it was a crazy jump. I didn't even, I didn't even think about it at, at the time, but going through instructs in minicamp and instructs again, like I got to face high level minor league arms. So uh, when I got to double A, we, we had an experienced team and um, it was kind of just like, like go get them. Like they threw me out there and it was just uh, here, let's see what you can do. And, and uh, making that jump was, was amazing. And, and people talk about low A and, and high A and um, I've never really got to, I never got to experience it, but um, I'm really thankful for the jump. And, and it was a great learning experience being able to, to play most games last year. I got to play all the time. So um, it was awesome. And, and again, like learning by experiencing it and going through some failure and having an okay year. Um, that's how I, I learned and got better. I want to talk more about Erie, but I also want to step back a little bit. But before we do that this year versus last year, this year is an Erie last year was an Erie as well for you. What's different? Two things I would say. I would say a swing change this offseason has been kind of absolute deal breaker. Like that's that's what's been the difference maker. And uh, also my faith in Jesus Christ. That that's what gives me the 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 peace and the mentality to just go out there and the freedom to to play without pressure and play without expectations. Um, I just go out there and and my only goal is to worship him while I play and give it everything that I possibly have, like, cause he is worthy of that. And so that's where my hard work comes from. That's where my perspective comes from. And it's just the most freeing and peaceful thing when I'm out on the field every single day. It's amazing. So we happen to be recording this on father's day and mm-hmm. I know, you know, where I'm going with this. I, it can tend to be bittersweet for mm-hmm. a lot of people. If you're listening to this, there's a chance that, Maybe you're without a father or a grandfather or what have you. And Carrie is no different. Lost his father, Ken, to cancer two years ago. What can you tell us about the relationship you had with your father and what's his impact on you now as you go forward? It was amazing. We had such a great, uh, uh, great relationship throughout me growing up. I had him for 22 years of my life and, and I'm just so thankful for that. And we had a, like, I did everything with him sports wise, like baseball. He coached me in little league. He was at every travel ball game. He was at every high school game. He would get videos of me hitting like every game that he came to. Like he was so supportive and so loving towards me. And, and like he was so joyful 
watching me play and I, I still have videos of my phone of like him getting vid like video of me hitting and and like hitting a home run or something at my juco and like and he's like screaming like it it, it gives me chills right now to just think about it so um we had a great relationship and um that that just happened and um it was one of the worst things that's ever happened to me or my mom and sister but um we we got th we're getting through it every day so father's day is a great remem remembrance of him you know not only that he was your father but he was also your coach for many many years mm. you know i would have to think that you take him with you every time you go out on the field you probably hear that voice once in a while pop up you probably are still being coached by him absolutely yeah there there are times out there where where I just feel like where I'm just out there with him. I remember after he passed away and I went to instructs that year, just going out to the field early, um, kind of just before everyone and just sitting out there in the dugout and just being like, I wish he was here, but, but I, I kind of feel him here. For those that didn't get the chance to meet your father, what can you tell us about him and the legacy he left? The biggest thing about his legacy that has meant the most to me is how many of his friends support and love me, which means that they loved him. So like it, it is unbelievable how many of his friends um, come watch me play or text me or um, like make road trips up to see me and like go get lunch or dinner when I'm back in, in Eustis in our hometown. And like, so that's kind of the biggest thing about his legacy that has meant the most to me is how many people really loved and cared about him. And now they care about me. So it's, it's, it's humbling. That's a great tribute as we celebrate mm. father's day on Sunday. Let's come back to that in a little bit and jump back mm. into baseball. You were the player of the week in the Eastern league. You're it's player of the month for the month of May. And at the time of this recording, you just hit a home run earlier today. That makes you minor league baseball's home run leader. How does it feel to hear that? And more importantly, to be that. It, it's wild. It's like being greater than I ever imagined. And, and that's the swing change I made was to try to be as great as I could possibly be maximize my full potential. And and to actually do it this year has been, I mean, it's its kind of been surreal. Talk about the swing change. Are all your teammates going to you trying to get the exact same one? <laughs> some people, some people more than others, but a lot of people are like, dang, dude, like man, kind of messing with me. Like, dude, I'm, I'm going to do what you do because I do some weird drills and stuff. But no, it, it's been awesome. Like the teammates have been, have been great about it. Talk to me about some of those teammates that you've had come through, especially over the last year and a half in Erie. Riley Green would be one of them. We just had him on the show last week. He made his major mm -hmm. league debut over the weekend, and he was really good. What did it mean to you to watch Riley go up and succeed right away? I mean, it was completely expected out of me. Like when when he made his debut and went two for three with two walks, we were like, yeah, that's that's typical Riley. So uh, being around him the whole year, I mean, he started off kind of slow, I think. Like for a while I was hitting better than him and then that didn't last long. Um, but he, I mean, he's awesome. Like his talent is amazing. His mentality is amazing. Like 
I, I think he's going to be a stud in the big leagues for a long time. So like him, Torque, Kreidler, Dingler now still with us. Like it's these guys are going to be really good for a while. You've had a handful of guys from the Erie team last year and maybe even some this year who have gotten a chance up in the big leagues already. Any other guys who have made it up recently that you've had a chance to enjoy getting that chance? Um, Bo Brisky was huge. I, I love that kid. He's awesome. He's one of my good friends. Um, but even last year, Jacob Robson, that was really, really cool. Um, when he got to make his debut. So like that was a, a surreal moment watching, watching him get a couple at bats in Baltimore sometime in August. I think it was, it was super cool. And I hope he gets back. We're talking with Kerry Carpenter. It's the road to Detroit podcast presented by Carhartt. I know you still have some boxes to check on the minor league ladder, but let's just pretend for a moment that it's later this year or next year and you get that call that Riley Green got, that Spencer Torkelson got, that you're going to Detroit. Tell us in your words what that would mean to you. I mean, that would be one of the coolest days of my life because when you put so much work into something that you do and it's something that you do every single day um and and we're doing it at the lower levels we're doing it in college we're doing it single a double a triple a like wherever it is but when you get to play against the best of the best that's when that's when it's the most fun that's what we're trying to do we're trying to win world series we're um trying to do that in detroit so it's going to be like an amazing amazing feeling and and I'm just going to be very thankful and grateful whenever that day comes. So um, I'm, it, it excites me, and I can't wait to call my mom and let her know. So It'll be a long way from junior college. So we've never done this before, but when I started learning about you, I realized this guy has a story to tell, and he's had to grow up really, really fast. So we asked the Tigers, can we offer people like you – a chance to tell us about whether it be a charity or a cause that's important to you, something that has impacted your life. The tiger said, absolutely. Yes. And I thank you for making us a better show in that way. And with that, who would you like to recognize? Honestly, I don't have a specific charity or anything, but um, the biggest thing that's ever helped me in my life is faith in Jesus Christ. So I just want to shout out local churches, um, getting involved with that. Like my local church in Tampa, they've been amazing to me, um, supporting, loving. Um, I mean, I don't deserve all, like all the love and support that I get, but I get it. So I'm just thankful. And, and it's been, I mean, that, that's who I would shout out as any local church. Um, like, Give them a chance, at least. It'd be, uh, it's it's life-changing. You can tell how grateful you are for an opportunity like this. And I was reading about you and one of the things that stood out, and I promised that we would talk about the thing that makes Carrie Carpenter more relatable than anything else. It's the fact that in 2020, there was a point in time where you were like the rest of us, just trying to make ends meet just trying to get by did oh, yeah. you take a part-time job working at the sporting goods store at dick's sporting goods 
I sure did. <laughs> I, I needed to make some money. I was like, I've been out of work. The, the Tigers, I mean, thankfully they paid us a, um, throughout the minor league season. But when that was over, I was like, all right, uh, I got to do something. I kind of want to challenge myself, give myself a, a schedule. And uh, I was taking classes. I was doing that. And, yeah, I worked there for that that offseason. This past offseason, I worked at a local golf course. So uh, it was really cool. What are the most common questions? What are the most frequently asked questions you get if you work at a sporting goods store? Wow, I don't even know. Probably, hey, do you have this in our size? <laughs> um, that that or where is this? And honestly, sometimes I wouldn't even know the answer. So, um, yeah, I was probably not the best worker there. In terms of working at a golf course, that can be beneficial in more than one way. Do you play? Do you play often? How often do you get a chance to if you're on the road? I don't play as much as I want to, but at least every every Monday we have an area I try to play. Um, but in the offseason, I'll at least try to play once or twice a week. Um, during 2020, when everything was, um, when we were all home, I was back in my hometown, I probably played like four or five times a week. So I do love golf. I watched the U.S. Open and today. So yeah, I'm a big golf guy. How does all that work with baseball? Because, of course, if you're into golf and you're also trying to make it work as a professional baseball player, you've got two different types of swings. How do those stay away from one another? I personally don't believe that they mix. Um, some people do, some people don't. But um, I think once you understand what you're doing with your, your baseball swing, then um, you can understand that, like, if in, if anything even creeps into that from a golf swing, you can change it. And and I don't play golf enough to to have that leak into my baseball swing, so uh, I think I'm pretty safe. Well, if the numbers tell us anything, it says don't change a thing because <laughs> Gary Carpenter right now has more home runs than anybody else playing minor league baseball. Gary, we're so excited for you. We're so happy for you. And in talking to a lot of your teammates, it's easy to understand why you're so easy to root for. And now we have a chance to see that firsthand. So we thank you so much and continued success the rest of the season, wherever it ends up being. I appreciate that. It's I, I it doesn't matter where I am. I'm I, wherever I am is where God wants me. So that's that's how I think about it. So I just want to go out there and, and be great every day, wherever I am. Thank you so much, Kerry. Congratulations. Appreciate your time. Yeah, of course. Thank you. The Road to Detroit podcast presented by Carhartt continues. You know, you guys are the best. It did not take very long for this show to end up right back where it was this time last year. Back into the top 100 baseball podcasts in America. Thanks for jumping right back in. Hitting the ground running is hard to do, and you guys make it easy. Riley Green, our thanks to him as well. And we can't wait to share more stories like Riley's and the one you just heard. Kerry Carpenter with you along the way. Make sure you're following along here on the Road to Detroit podcast. You can get it wherever you get your podcast. It's now time for the road ahead. So many of these teams have their seasons being split into two. And for example, some teams actually have the halfway point coming in the middle of a series this week. On Thursday, for example, everybody's record kind of freezes and we figure out which teams go to the playoffs. Lakeland sitting around 500. They welcome Fort Myers in for a six-game series. It will end the first half 
and start the second half. They're the low-A affiliate of the Minnesota Twins. West Michigan is still on the road. They've got a 12-game road trip. Final six games against the Midwest League West-leading Cedar Rapids Colonels. They're also the Minnesota Twins. Meanwhile, Erie, they host the Bowie Bay Sox for a six-game set. Meanwhile, Toledo's at home as well. They have Scranton, Wilkes-Barre, the Rail Riders, are coming to Toledo. And that's a look at episode two of the Road to Detroit podcast. My thanks to our producer, Nate Wangler. Coming up on future episodes here of the Road to Detroit, and we're not too far away from this, the MLB draft is fast approaching. This year, it'll be held as part of All-Star Weekend. It's set to be in Los Angeles this year. Tigers hold the 12th overall selection. The Tigers took Jackson Job last year. Which direction do they go this year? We should probably start talking draft. Because you know whoever that number 12 overall pick is, they become a top five Detroit Tigers prospect. We'll find out what names might be in play for the Tigers at 12, and then we'll plan on introducing you to that player right here on the Road to Detroit podcast. That's episode two. Thanks for listening. For our producer, Nate Wangler, I'm Dan Hasty. And until next week. See ya! No one's been part of more first days of work than Carhartt. And in the same way rookies have to keep earning respect, Carhartt never stops earning the respect of hardworking people like you. From building rugged gear that's tougher than any first day or worst day of work, to re-engineering the classics to outwork the future. Trust your Carhartts to keep doing their job long after you've been doing yours. Since 1889, Carhartt's got your back 24-7. Visit Carhartt.com or visit a retail store near you.